0: Chapter 7 of Christmas A Story This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas A Story by Zona Gale. Chapter 7 Ebenezer Rule had meant to go to the city before cold weather came. He had there a small and decent steam-warmed flat, where he boiled his own eggs and made his own coffee, read his newspapers and kept his counsel, descending nightly to the ground-floor café to dine on ambiguous dishes at tables of other bank-swallows who nested in the same cliff. But as the days went by he found himself staying on in Old Trail Town— "'with this excuse and that offered by himself to himself. "'As, for example, that in the factory "'there were old account-books that he must go through, "'and having put off this task from day to day, "'and finding at last nothing more to dally with, "'he set out one morning for the ancient building "'down in that part of the village which was older than the rest, "'and was where his business was conducted, when it was conducted.' It had snowed in the night, and Buff Miles, who drove the village snowplow, was also driver of the bus. So on the morning after a snowfall, the streets always lay buried thick until after the 810 express came in, and since on the morning following a snowfall the 810 express was always late, Old Trail Town lay locked in a kind of circular argument, and everybody stayed indoors or stepped high through drifts. THE DIRECT WAY TO THE FACTORY WAS VIRTUALLY UNTRODDEN, AND EBENEZER MADE A DETOUR THROUGH THE BUSINESS STREET IN SEARCH OF SOME SEMBLANCE OF A TRACK. THE LIGHT OF A WINTER MORNING IS NOT KIND, ONLY JUST. IT IS JUST TO THE SKY AND DISCOVERS IT TO BE DOMINANT, TO TREES AND THEIR LINES ARE SEEN TO BE ALIVE LIKE LEAVES, TO FOLK AND NO DISGUISE AVAILS. Summer gives compliments and accessories to the good things in a human face. Winter affords nothing save disclosure. In the uncompromising cleanness of that wash of winter light, Ebenezer Rule was himself for anybody to see. Looking like countless other men, lean, alert, preoccupied, his tall figure stooped, his smooth, pale face like a photograph too much retouched. This commonplace man took his place in the day almost as one of its externals. With that glorious pioneer trio, mineral, vegetable, and animal, and with intellect, that worthy tool, he did his day's work. His face was one that had never asked itself, say, of a winter morning, What else? and the winter light searched him pitilessly to find that question somewhere in him before the simeon buck north american dry goods exchange simeon buck himself had just finished shovelling his walk and stood wiping his snow shovel with the end of his muffler when he saw ebenezer he shook the muffler at him and then over his left shoulder jabbed the air with his thumb "'Look at here,' he said, his head reinforcing his gesture toward his show-window. "'Look what I done this morning. Nice little touch, eh?' In the show-window of the exchange—Dry Goods Exchange was just the name of it, for the store carried everything—a hodgepodge of canned goods, lace curtains, kitchen utensils, wax figures, and bird cages had been ranged round a center-table of golden oak, On the table stood a figure that was as familiar to Old Trail Town as was its fire engine and its sprinkling cart. Like these, appearing intermittently, the figure had seized on the imagination of the children, and grown in association until it belonged to everybody by sheer use and wont. It was a papier-mâché Santa Claus, three feet high, white-bearded, grey-gowned, with tall-pointed cap, rather the more sober St. Nicholas of earlier days than the rollicking, red-garbed St. Nick of now. Only, whereas for years he had graced the window of the exchange, bearing over his shoulder a little bough of green for a Christmas tree, this season he stood treeless, and instead bore on his shoulder a United States flag. On a placard below him, Simeon had laboriously lettered, high cost of living and too much fuss makes folks want a sane christmas me too s c ain't that neat said simeon ebenezer looked what's the flag for he inquired dryly well said simeon he had to carry something i thought of a toy gun but that didn't seem real appropriate "'A Japanese umbrella wasn't exactly in season, seems, though. "'A flag was about the only thing I could think of to have him hold. "'A flag is always kind of tasty, don't you think?' "'Oh, it's harmless,' said Ebenezer, harmless. "'No hustling business,' Simeon pursued, "'can be contented with just not doing something.' "'It ain't enough not to have no Christmas. "'You've got to find something that'll express nothing and express it forcible. "'In business a minus sign,' said Simeon, "'is as good as a plus if you can keep it whirling round and round.'" This Ebenezer mulled and chuckled over as he went on down the street. He wondered what the emporium would do to keep up with the exchange, but in the emporium window there was nothing save the usual mill-end display for the winter white goods sale ebenezer opened the store door and put his head in hey he shouted at abel back at the desk can't you keep up with simeon's window abel came down the aisle between the lengths of white stuff pleated into folds at either side the fire had just been kindled in the stove and the air in the store was still frosty "'Abel, in his overcoat, was blowing on his fingers. "'I ain't much of any heart to,' said he, "'but the night before Christmas I guess'll do about right for mine.' "'What'll you put up?' Ebenezer asked, closing the door behind him. "'Well, sir,' said Abel, "'I ain't made up my mind full yet, "'but I'll be bill-blowed if I'm going to let Christmas go by "'without saying something about it in the window.' "'Night before Christmas'll be too late to advertise anything,' said Ebenezer. "'If I was in trade,' he said, half closing his eyes, "'I'd fill up my window with useful articles, "'caps and mittens and stockings and warm underwear and dishes and toothbrushes. "'And I'd say, might as well afford these on what you saved out of Christmas. "'You'd ought to get all the advertising you can out of any situation.' Abel shook his head. "'I ain't much on such,' he said lightly, and then looked intently at Ebenezer. "'Jenny's been buying quite a lot here for her Christmas,' he said. Ebenezer was blank. "'Jenny?' he said. "'Jenny Wing? "'I heard she was here. "'I ain't seen her. "'Is she bound to keep Christmas anyhow?' "'Just white goods it was,' said Abel briefly.' Ebenezer frowned his lack of understanding. "'I shouldn't think her and Bruce had much of anything to buy anything with,' he said. "'I suppose you know,' he added, "'that Bruce, the young beggar, quit working for me in the city after the—the failure, "'threw up his job with me and took God knows what to do.' Abel nodded gravely. All Old Trail Town knew that and honored Bruce for it headstrong couple ebenezer added so jenny's bent on having christmas no matter what the town decides is she he added it's like her the minx i don't think it was planned that way abel said simply she's only buying white goods he repeated and ebenezer still staring surely you know what jenny's come home for abel said A moment or two later, Ebenezer was out on the street again, his face turned toward the factory. He was aware that Abel caught open the door behind him and called after him, "'Whenever you get ready to sell me that there star-glass, you know?' Ebenezer answered something, but his responses were so often guttural and indistinguishable that his will to reply was regarded as nominal anyway." He also knew that now just before him Buff Miles was proceeding with the snowplow, cutting a firm white way, smooth and sparkling for soft treading, momentarily bordered by a feathery flux that tumbled and heaped and then lay quiet in a glitter of crystals. But his thought went on without these things and without his will. Bruce's baby! It would be a rule, too, THE THIRD GENERATION, THE THIRD GENERATION. And accustomed as he was to relate every experience to himself, measure it, value it by its own value to him, the effect of his reflection was at first single. The third generation of rules. Was he as old as that? It seemed only yesterday that Bruce had been a boy, "'in a blue necktie to match his eyes, "'and shoes which for some reason he always put on wrong "'so that the buttons were on the inside. "'Bruce's baby! Good heavens! "'It had been a shock when Bruce graduated from the high school, "'a shock when he had married, "'but his baby, it was incredible that he himself should be so old as that. "'This meant, then, that if Malcolm had lived... "'Malcolm might have had a child now.' "'Ebenezer had not meant to think that. "'It was as if the thought came and spoke to him. "'He never allowed himself to think of that other life of his "'when his wife Letty and his son Malcolm had been living. "'Nobody in Old Trail Town ever heard him speak of them "'or had ever been answered when Ebenezer had been spoken to concerning them.' a high white shaft in the cemetery marked the two graves all about them doors had been closed but with the thought of this third generation the doors all opened he looked along ways that he had forgotten as he went he was unconscious as he was always unconscious of the little street he saw the market square not as the heart of the town but as a place for buying and selling and the little shops were to him not ways of providing the town with life, but ways of providing their keepers with a livelihood. Beyond these was a familiar setting, arranged that day with white background and heaped roofs and laden boughs, the houses standing side by side like human beings. There they were, like the chorus to the thing he was thinking about, They were all thinking about it, too. Every one of them knew what he knew. Yet he never saw the bond, but he thought they were only the places where men lived who had been his factory hands, and would be so yet if he had not cut them away. Ben Torrey, shoveling off his front walk with his boy sweeping behind him. August Muir, giving his little girl a ride on the snow shovel. Nettie Hatch, clearing the ice out of her mail-box, while her sister, the lame one, watched from her chair by the window, interested as in a real event. Ebenezer spoke to them from some outpost of consciousness which his thought did not pass. The little street was not there, as it was never there for him as an entity. It was merely a street, and the little town was not an entity, it was merely where he lived." HE WENT BEHIND BUFF MILES AND THE SNOWPLOW, AS HE ALWAYS WENT, AS IF SPACE HAD BEEN CREATED FOR FOLK TO LIVE IN, ONE AT A TIME, AND AS IF THIS WERE HIS OWN TURN. WHEN HE REACHED THE BEND FROM THE OLD TRAIL TOWN ROAD WHERE THE FACTORY WAS, HE UNDERSTOOD AT LAST THAT HE HAD BEEN HEARING A SONG SUNG OVER A GREAT MANY TIMES one for the way it all begun two for the way it all has run what three'll be for i do forget but what's to be has not been yet so holly and mistletoe so holly and mistletoe so holly and mistletoe over and over and over oh buff who was singing it looked over his shoulder and nodded they said you can't have no Christmas on Christmas Day. He observed, grinning. But I ain't heard nothing to prevent singing Christmas carols right up to the day that is the day. Ebenezer halted. How old are you? He abruptly demanded of Buff, whom he had known from Buff's boyhood. Thirty-three, said Buff. Dumb it. You and Bruce about the same age, ain't you? Said Ebenezer. Buff nodded. "'Well,' said Ebenezer, "'well,' and stood looking at him. Malcolm would have been his age, too. "'Going down to the factory, are you?' said Buff. "'Wait a bit. I'll hike on down ahead of you.' He turned the snowplough down the factory road as if he were making a triumphal progress, fashioning his snow borders with all the freedom of some sculpturing wind on summer clouds." "'One for the way it all begun, two for the way it all has run,' he sang to the soft push and thud and clank of his going. He swept a circle in front of the little house that was the factory office, as if he had prepared the setting for a great event, and Ebenezer, following in the long bright path, stepped into the hall of the house.' For thirty years he had been accustomed to enter the little house with his mind ready to receive its interior of desks and shelves and safes and files. Today, quite unexpectedly, as he opened the door, the thing that was in his mind was a hall stair with a red carpet and a parlour adjoining with figured stuff at the windows and a coal fire in the stove. And thirty-five years ago it had been that way, when he and his wife and child had lived in the little house where his business was then just starting at a machine set up in the woodshed. As his project had grown and his factory had arisen in the neighboring lots, the family had moved farther up in the town. Remembrance had been divorced from this place for decades. Today, without warning, it waited for him on the threshold— He had asked his bookkeeper to meet him there, but the man had not yet arrived, so Ebenezer himself kindled a fire in the rusty office stove, in the room where the figured curtains had been. The old account-books that he wanted were not here on the shelves, nor in the cupboards of the cold adjoining rooms. They dated so far back that they had been filed away upstairs. He had not been upstairs in years and his first impulse was to send his bookkeeper when he should appear. But this, after all, was not Ebenezer's way, and he went up the stairs himself. Each upper room was like someone unconscious in stupor or death, and still as distinct in personality as if in some ancient activity. There was the shelf he had put up in their room, the burned place on the floor where he had tipped over a lamp, tattered shreds of the paper she had hung to surprise him, the little storeroom which they had cleared out for Malcolm when he was old enough, and whose door had had to be kept closed because innumerable uncaged birds lived there. When he had gone through the piles of account-books in a closet, and those he sought were not found among them, he remembered the trunkful up in the tiny loft. He let down from the passage ceiling the ladder he had once hung there and climbed up to the little roof recess. Light entered through four broken panes of skylight. It fell in a faint rug on the dusty floor. The roof sloped sharply, and the trunks and boxes had been pressed back to the rim of the place. Ebenezer put his hands out, groping. They touched an edge of something that swayed, He laid hold of it, and drew it out, and set down on the faint rug of light a small wooden hobby-horse. He stood staring at it, remembering it as clearly as if someone had set before him the old white gate which he bestrode in his own boyhood. It was Malcolm's hobby-horse, dappled grey, the tail and the mane missing, and the paint worn off and tenderly licked off his nose. When they had moved to the other house, he had bought the boy a pony, and this horse had been left behind. Something else stirred in his memory, the name by which Malcolm had used to call his hobby horse, some ringing name, but he had forgotten. He thrust the thing back where it had been and went on with his search for the account books. By the time he had found them and had got down again in the office, The bookkeeper was there, keeping up the fire and uttering with some acumen comments on the obvious aspects of the weather, of the climate, of the visible universe. The bookkeeper was a young man, very ready to agree with Ebenezer for the sake of future favor, but with the wistfulness of all industrial machines constructed by men from human potentialities. "'Also he had a cough and thin hands and a little family and no job. "'Get to work on this book,' Ebenezer bade him. "'It's the one that began the business.' "'The man opened the book, put it to his near-sighted eyes, "'frowned and glanced up at Ebenezer. "'I don't think it seems,' he began doubtfully. "'Well, don't think,' said Ebenezer sharply. "'That's not needful.' Read the first entries. The bookkeeper read. Picking hops, four days, one dollar. Sewing, Mrs. Shackle, 60 cents. Egg money, three and a quarter dozen, 75 cents. Winning puzzle, two dollars and a half, four dollars, 86 cents. Dispersed. Kitchen roller, ten cents. Coffee mill, fifty cents. Shoes for M, one dollar twenty-five. Watercolors for M, twenty-five cents. Suit for M, two dollars. Gloves, me, fifty cents. Four dollars seventy-five cents. Cash on hand, eleven cents. The bookkeeper paused again ebenezer frowning reached for the book in his wife's fine faded writing were her accounts after the eleven cents was a funny little face with which she had been wont to illustrate her letters ebenezer stared grunted turned to the last page of the book there in bold figures the other way of the leaf was his own accounting he remembered now He had kept his first books in the back of the account book that she had used for the house. Ebenezer glanced sharply at his bookkeeper. To his annoyance, the man was smiling with perfect comprehension and sympathy. Ebenezer averted his eyes, and the bookkeeper felt dimly that he had been guilty of an indelicacy toward his employer, and hastened to cover it. "'Family life does cling to a man, sir,' he said. "'Do you find it so?' said Ebenezer dryly. "'Read, please.' "'At noon Ebenezer walked home alone through the melting snow, "'and the thought that he did not think, "'but that spoke to him without his knowing, said, "'Winning a puzzle, two dollars and a half. "'She never told me she tried to earn a little something that way.' End of chapter 7